You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi guys, and welcome back to the uh, Big Ten Powerhouse Podcast. Uh, been a little while since we got our last one in here. Um, seemed like a good time. Uh, this is our uh, 16th podcast so far, uh, moving on up. <laughs> uh, today we have a, a really fun topic, a lot of guests. Um, it should be uh, pretty comprehensive, I would think. We're talking about the Big Ten quote-unquote bubble teams. Um, everybody uh, always has fun with the... Um, bracketology as we get closer to March, um, and as such, you get talking about teams who may be in, may be out, so that's what we're going to focus on today. We're primarily going to be focusing on uh, five teams, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and to help us start it off, we have uh, Mike Wilson from scout.com. Um, he covers Michigan State, and uh, Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. All right. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, surviving the snow, I take it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so uh, excited to talk about uh, Michigan State so far. Um, why, um, we, I remember talking last summer, talking about how, you know, things were kind of in flux, um, not sure what to expect. Um, first, uh, I, I would just interested in your take on how Michigan State's started so far, not only in Big Ten play, but also uh, in non-conference play as well. Um, I think for the most part, you take out the Texas Southern loss, I think this team is right about where you would have expected it to be if you penciled in a win or a loss next to every game before the year. Um, they've lost two games to Maryland in Big Ten play, who's probably the second-best team, if not the best right now, with Wisconsin's health issues. And then they lost to Duke, Kansas, Notre Dame. Notre Dame might have been one of the toss-up ones. But they're kind of record-wise right where you expected them to be. Production-wise on the court play, they're not where you expected them to be, though. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we take a second to talk about um, – they did play Wednesday uh, last night. Uh, <laughs> and um, didn't exact they played at home against Penn State and didn't exactly look like – um, what you may have expected against a uh, team that's winless in Big Ten play uh, so far in Penn State. Um, what what forced them to have that game so close last night? You know, DJ Newbill is probably the best pure scorer in the Big Ten, potentially. Uh, I think he, he's that guy that is obviously their best player, and he carries them, and he had 27 last night. But there seems to be an issue with uh, this Michigan State team is not closing out games they came out pretty well last night. They were leading 10-2 early. And they never really keep that foot on the gas, it seems. And that's been an issue so far, especially in Big Ten play. So th- there seems to be some things they need to figure out. Um, they haven't seemed to put it together on a consistency standpoint. And that was, again, the case last night. Uh, you can't really seem to get good games from three guys at the same time. It seems like they can only get one or two playing well. So that wasn't the issue again last night. Okay, and uh, t- talking about the guys who have been playing well, I guess, for a second, um, 
obviously coming into the year, uh, Dawson was the big guy that everyone was talking about. Um, who who do you think have have been the biggest contributors contributors for Michigan State today or this season? Um, if, if you're looking at contributors that maybe didn't expect, I mean, Gavin Schilling and Matt Costello have been arguably the most consistent players on on the team. Um, I think combined they're averaging a double-double, which is more production than I think Tom Izzo expected he would get out of those two at, at the center spot. But, but Dawson, I think, is having a quietly decent year. He draws a lot of scrutiny because he is the Michigan State X factor. He is that guy who, who needs to have a double-double, and he's pretty much putting up a double-double for the most part in every game recently. So he's a guy that's having a good year, but I think Valentine and Trice are the two that – those are the two best players on this team in terms of pure scoring and they just are not playing consistent basketball right now, and I think that's really what Tom Izzo needs to see out of them. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, Trice is definitely um, – he, he definitely took a big step forward last year, I thought, during the season, but he, he looks like an almost different player this year. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about what you think uh, he's improved in that, that's making him so much better? You know, I, I think what's very interesting about Travis Trice is he's always been that, that good shooting player – a solid role player in that capacity, but he's had to obviously take a step forward in minutes and trying to keep that same production, and he's done a pretty good job of that. Um, Big Ten Player of the Week a couple weeks ago hasn't been so hot the, the past couple games, and I'm writing a story on that right now is and it seems like he's kind of struggling being the man. Like teams are, are focused on him now. He's never had that before. But he's definitely the, the same type of shooter that he's been in the previous years. A little bit stronger, which I think is helping his game, a little bit more physically built um, as he had a healthy summer. And I just think he's a player that, that's playing pretty well for Michigan State but needs to be more consistent. Okay. And um, I, guess, I guess flipping to the other side a little bit, um, we're talking about the guys who have been playing well. Who do you think has, have, has been a little disappointing this year who maybe you expected a little bit more out of? And that's tough. Um, first thought would probably be Denzel Valentine. Um, watching the game late last night, talking with one of the other reporters, it was just, you're looking at him, and he's a good zone buster kind of guy. Because he's long, he's pretty tall, can shoot past and do all those different things. And he just didn't seem to want to take the game over when it seemed like it was there for the taking. So that's a guy that, similar to what I said about Trice, where I think there needs to be more consistency, but when you're looking at Valentine, yeah, there's moments where he can really take a step forward but doesn't seem to. And early in the year, he was playing incredibly, incredibly well, um, shooting the ball from three at a very good rate um, and making a lot of plays. And he hasn't really been that same player in the past few weeks. Okay. And um, I guess, I guess uh, moving on to uh, um, a couple of the newcomers here, um, not only the freshmen but also uh, um, the transfers, who – who do you think has really stepped up in terms of the newcomers? Um, I think the guy that's starting to is Javon Bass. I mean, Marvin Clark had some nice moments early in the year, but he's struggled a bit as the season has progressed. Um, Tom Tom Nairn's come on pretty well. Um, he is the, the fast guy that everyone expects him to be, but now he's kind of being pushed to you know shoot a little bit, become a shooting threat. He's doing all right with that. Bryn Forbes is a three-point guy, obviously, and he had some big shots last night, some very big shots, but he's now the sixth man with Javon Best starting. And that's the guy that he's more of a glue guy. You don't want to make the Draymond Green comparison because he's a freshman and, and he is a different player. He's more of a guard than, than a forward. But he's a guy that plays good defense, can guard a lot of guys, do a lot of different things for a team, 
and he's started to come on. He's in the starting lineup now. He's doing some good things. Um, he's pretty efficient on the court. He's smart with the ball, rebounds at a high rate. So that's a guy to me that he's been kind of from the start of the year a guy that Michigan State wanted to be the X factor with Dawson, and he's starting to get to that point where I think he's going to make more plays. Okay, and um, maybe, maybe this is a you have a similar answer for this one, but um, uh, looking ahead to the uh, the next couple of weeks, um, the last couple of years they've had guys. Michigan State has had guys step up. Um, the guy who I really thought of last year was Trice. Um, I thought he improved a lot. Um, who do you think can be that guy over the next month and a half that can maybe fill that role Michigan State hasn't had so far? Uh, yeah, you're kind of. I do think it is Javon Best and, and kind of Bryn Forbes that combination. Um, the, the methodology for Izzo switching the lineup there is Forbes now brings shooting off the bench, so they can have more balanced lineups in. But Best brings when he first started playing this year. The talk around him was he brings that toughness and grit that the team seems to lack at times. And so I do think that that's a guy as he gets healthy, gets back in the swing of things, he can make a difference on this team and. And Bryn Forbes is an offensive threat, is in that same boat as a guy that they need to be playing well. Um, yeah, yeah, it should be uh it should be interesting. Um I know coming out of high school, Bess was a guy I was really high on, so it's it's nice to see him uh succeeding so far. Um but moving on towards uh the theme of the the podcast here today, um talking about the bubble teams. Um not sure if you classify state as one, but but what what is your take on um, state potentially making the NCAA tournament this year? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. If they'd lost last night, I think you're talking about them being a bubble team for sure. But I do think that if they continue at the rate they are, they are a tournament team, but they just aren't a team that can afford to be upset at this point. Um, they didn't really leave the non-conference with, with a good win. They had a bad loss instead. So the resume is not particularly strong, but I do think you're going to see a team at the end that they won the games they're supposed to win, lost the ones they probably should have lost. And I do think if that's the case, that resume will be good enough to get in. Um, they've got a good stretch of a schedule right now um, coming up with uh, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Michigan's depleted. So that's another game that probably is easier than it would have been at the start of the year. Um, Illinois, Northwestern, those are very winnable games for this team. So I think if you see them cruise through those, that, that yeah, they're going to be a tournament team. Okay, and, and before we get a, a into a little bit of what's coming ahead. Um, can you take a second just to talk about that Texas Southern loss? I know I know a lot of people, um, you know, with the holidays going on, may not have seen the game. Um, just to talk a little about that, because I know a lot of people keep bringing that up, um, and I'm not sure everybody remembers exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those games, you know, one of those things that happened. It was kind of right around the time that Michigan got upset by, by the New Jersey Institute of Technology and, and Michigan State gets upset. Nebraska is upset by Incarnate Ward. It just seemed like a week for the Big Ten that they probably would like to obliterate off the calendar now looking back. Um, but, but I think Texas Southern in that game, one thing that fueled them, I mean, you've got a good coach in Mike Davis. You've got a guy that's coached at that level, isn't intimidated by it. They had a couple guys in that game that only played in two games that year, and they were key. I mean, they had some big shots down the stretch. Um, I think it was Carter hit, hit a three near the end that, that gave them that momentum. But it was a Michigan State team that, man, I, I, you look at that game and you don't think they lose it no matter what. But they just didn't seem to have it in their eyes that day, and that still seems to be something they're struggling with. Um, yeah, Texas Southern, they beat them in overtime, came into Breslin, 
probably one of the worst, if not the worst, loss in Breslin Center history. And, yeah, it's probably better that some people didn't see that around the holidays, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and just to, just to kind of feed off of that a little bit, how – how much of an anchor do you think? I know you don't necessarily do the bracketology of, you know, like Lenardi or something, but how much of an anchor do you think that will be this year on the resume? I think it has the potential to be, but I do think it more matters how many Big Ten games they win and lose, depending on where that record is, is when that game could come into play. They've got a, I don't know, 12-6 and six type record. I don't think that game's looked at too strongly. If they're a 9-7 and seven Big Ten team, you're probably looking at that game a little bit more closely saying, well, that that might give them the down when another team gets the up into the tournament. So it definitely could matter. And like I said earlier, and as you well know too, they didn't leave the non-conference with a good win. Didn't have that signature win. They didn't beat Duke, didn't beat Kansas. Notre Dame could have been that. Um, I assume their best best win they have in non-conference is probably Marquette. So you're looking at a team that didn't have those things. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. I, I think a lot of it's going to come in the next couple of weeks. Um, you talked a little bit about the stretch coming ahead. I know um, I got asked about a team to watch on a on a different podcast, actually. But um, and I and I said I think Michigan State's going to be one because um, Ken Palm actually has them favored to win. I believe their next ten games, um, which outside of maybe Kentucky or something, I don't even recall seeing this year. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is what you're saying, a lot of favorable games. Uh, first off, do you think this team's capable of a run like that? And how good do you think they can be if they do do something like a 9-1 and one, an 8-2 and two stretch over the next month or so? I do think this team is capable of winning those games. Like kind of lists them off earlier. You see Nebraska and Rutgers on the schedule. Um, you get Northwestern again. You get a, a depleted Michigan team twice, um, Illinois twice. And so you have a while before you see Wisconsin, which I assume is that, that game that they're probably favored to lose. Uh, so I do think they're capable of winning those games, but as we've seen, some of these games that they're supposed to be winning, they're struggling with, or the Penn State. Um, they didn't really play so well in the first half at Iowa. They struggled at home against Northwestern. There's just games that don't make sense for, for this team, because it is a pretty talented team, despite it being mostly role players. It doesn't make sense for them to be struggling how they are. So as capable as they are, I think it's almost more important they do win those games, get that confidence, get rolling. And I do think that would help them move forward through the season. But at 9-1 and one in those next 10 games, then lock Michigan State in as a tournament team too. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and, and just, uh, I mean, uh, this is a little difficult question because we obviously don't know what's coming ahead. But um, if there is a game on that schedule coming ahead um, that you would say, like, this is – the most important game for them to make the tournament. Uh, which one would you pick out? Yeesh. Um, I mean, if you're in talking in terms of the signature win, going to Wisconsin and winning. That's about as important a game as you can have. That that definitely, they could go 6-4 and four in the next 10 and then go in with, and win in Wisconsin. That probably puts them in the tournament. But, I, uh, <clears throat> man, I think the Michigan ones <laughs> matter. I think – the rivalry and the fact that Michigan's been beating off on Michigan State lately matters. So I do think you look at those couple and say you got to go win those. Um, Ohio State, they only play once this year, and it's at Breslin Center. That was a tough game last year. So And that's going to be a tough matchup for Michigan State, too. That that might be the game you pick because the defensive play of the guards at Ohio State is going to give Michigan State problems. 
So between Wisconsin and Ohio State, I like those, but you can't go wrong with taking a Michigan-Michigan State game. Yeah, I I kind of agree. Um, I, I think on the other side of it, um, for me, a way you could go about it is, as you were talking about, they have to avoid those upsets. I think those that Northwestern game and the Rutgers game, as much as they are, you know, you kind of want to put that, that check mark next to it as a win. Um, if they did lose one of those games, I know they're on the road, but I do think that would be a pretty big blow um, to their resume, assuming um, they don't go into the Kohl Center and beat Wisconsin or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, if they could pull out of Wisconsin, I feel like this is like half the bubble teams. So if they can beat Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> that would be such a big boost to the old resume. Um, but, yeah, I definitely some interesting uh, discussions. Um, before I let you go, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. And um, anything else you, you're thinking about, either uh, Michigan State or the Big Ten or something to throw out to here to the listeners? You know, I think one thing, and obviously Big Ten roundtable focus, Tom Izzo said last week, and I'm actually curious your thoughts on this, because he said last week he thinks the Big Ten might be better than it's been in the past few years. And it just because of the depth. Basically, he pointed to Rutgers going and winning and Penn State, despite being 0-6, having been close in most of their games. Basically, he said the Big Ten is better than in previous years because of depth. And I thought that was an interesting comment, and I don't know if you saw that comment or what you thought of that. Um, yeah, I, I did see the comment. Um, as much as I respect Izzo as a coach, um, <laughs> I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can totally agree um, that the Big Ten is better. I, I do think a lot of the criticism the Big Ten has gotten, um, especially in the, um, you know, the advanced stats and so on, comes from that week you were talking about, that big upset week. I think that was such a huge hit to the are talking, you know, oh, this te- these teams aren't good. Um, I do think the Big Ten is going to surprise people in March, though, just because there's so many young teams. I mean, teams like Indiana, Maryland, Ohio State are like freshmen and sophomores. And I, I think by the time we get into March, those teams are going to start clicking. And I, I think, I mean, the conference games have been very competitive. I mean, Rutgers beating Wisconsin was kind of amazing. But um, I think it has dropped off a little. But I do think, you know, there's great coaching and there is a lot of talent. But, um, yeah, but uh, all right. Um, thanks for thanks for calling in, and I appreciate it. Um, and for everyone listening, you can check out Mike um, on Scout. But uh, thanks again, Mike. Yep, definitely. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> thanks. All right. Well, um, again, that was uh, Mike Wilson um, with Scout.com. He covers Michigan State. Um, we do have a, uh, a few more callers who will be joining us in a little bit. But um, <clears throat> we have uh, two guys from Crimson Quarry who will be uh, – Calling in in a couple minutes here, but um, before we jump over jump over to them, um, I did want to talk about one of the other bubble teams that we do not have a guest calling in with us today, um, and that is Iowa. <laughs> um, Iowa coming off a kind of hectic week right now. Um, they beat Ohio State on Saturday at home. A pretty solid win. Um, really not that much in doubt. They were in pretty good control from the beginning, and in the second half, uh, it, it was pretty much just burning dime at the end. Um, it, uh, I don't think the score is in, as indicative of the game. But um, feeding off of that, following that, uh, 
that big win. They went on the road to Wisconsin, a game that we actually selected as the Big Ten game of the week this week, and just got shellacked, um, destroyed. There's no way to put it. The entire second half was as boring of a game as you'll see because it was already over. Uh, <laughs> I I think part of that, first off, is Wisconsin being a really, really good team when Frank Kaminsky's there, playing really well at home. But I think the other part of that is some of the Iowa issues that have been kind of building over the last couple of weeks did get exposed. Um, that front court was extremely underwhelming. Um, I do think they're one of the top front courts in the Big Ten, but when you have Aaron White and Woodbury combined for, uh, what, eight points, uh, Woodbury obviously had his incidents with Kaminsky, um, the whole eye-poking thing or not eye-poking thing, whatever it was. Um, really, you didn't get much out of those two guys. And when when you're trying to go in and beat Wisconsin on the road, you really need those two guys to perform. And I think that was a big hit um, for Iowa. But having washed away that game, Iowa is, by just about every bracketologist right now in the tournament, somewhere hovering around an 8 or a 9. Um, they do have a... A relatively challenging stretch in the next couple games. They get Purdue on the road, Wisconsin at home, Michigan on the road, Maryland at home, and Minnesota at home. Um, they're currently projected to get around 20 wins or so total and go 11-7 in the Big Ten. Um, in terms of NCAA potential um, for the tournament, I do think Iowa is going to make it. Um, I think – as, as challenging as the stretch is, they do have a very manageable ending stretch with teams like Illinois at home, Penn State. Um, the Indiana road game will be tough, but um, and they finish up with Northwestern. I do think they have the possibility, assuming they don't collapse like they did last year, um, to rack up some wins right at the end there, um, potentially get a solid seed in the Big Ten tournament, knock off a win or two. Um, I do think they are in good position to um, – <clears throat> excuse me, to make the NCAA tournament. I will say if if I'm picking out some key games for Iowa, I think that Maryland home game on uh, February 8th is a big one because I I do think Maryland's a better team than Iowa, but Iowa can definitely win that game, and they're kind of due for a big big home win, <laughs> so to speak, after the last couple of years. But um, I think that's a key one. Uh, Rutgers at home. You cannot lose that game, again, for the same reasons I said about Michigan State. And then uh, finally, that Illinois game in uh, late February, I think, is a big one, too. That's a solid win, assuming Illinois can uh, handle their injuries right now and get through that stretch. But um, I do think they're in good shape. I think they uh, have a manageable but difficult stretch ahead, and I think they can make a run here. But... um, yeah, so that, those are my uh, general thoughts about Iowa, but we'll, we're going to be moving on to Indiana now, and we have a few guys from Crimson Quarry, which is SB Nation's uh, Big Ten site. We have uh, Kevin and Ben joining us. Uh, Kevin, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's not my name, but uh, Kyle, Kyle Robbins, CrimsonQuarry.com. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Kyle, we, sorry, have, sorry. It's, it's all right. It's, it's <laughs> I cool. apologize cool. for that. Cool. I don't know. No, you're yeah, fine. You're fine. Uh, no, um, Kyle. Why don't, why don't you take uh, a? <laughs> why don't you take a second to introduce yourself? 
Yeah, no, uh, Kyle Robbins, com basically uh, helped run the side alongside Kyle Swick uh, and, and Ben Raffle, who should be joining us here in just a moment. I'm here. Uh, but, yeah, no, um, go ahead, go ahead. Hi, oh, Ben, why don't you? <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> okay, great, yeah. Same thing, basically. Ben Raffle with com. The two Kyles and I, along with others, run the ship over at the <laughs> Indiana SB Nation dot, dot com site. Um, and we like to think we have a mildly amusing Twitter account as well. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, um, we, we, hopefully, we think uh, so, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you can forgive me for the, the name trouble. But, um, yeah, why don't we uh, dive Every, in everyone, here? Everyone gets it wrong. <laughs> Why don't we uh dive into the uh to Indiana here? Um Indiana started Big Ten play pretty well. Um they did they did lose to Michigan State, but overall a pretty hot start. Um why don't we start uh with Kyle here? Uh what what were your reactions to Indiana's start not only in Big Ten play but also uh non conference? I think if you take it back and you go through the non-conference season, expectations were fairly low for this basketball team. Uh, really coming into the year, and I think you go back, you, you read our season preview, uh, what you're going to see is I, I had a, I had a set out in terms of Indiana's surprise win or big win on the year would be over SMU. Now, first, when we first started talking about that was an SMU team, you thought that was going to have Marcus Kennedy uh, earlier on in the summer. You thought the team would have Emmanuel Mugiai. They didn't pan out so uh, so much, but that win was a turning point for the Indiana basketball team in showing you what this team could be going on into the season. You saw this team build and fit, but the bigger thing I think that you've seen with this basketball team that hasn't happened with Tom Green clubs in the past is the ability to kind of punch back when they've gotten punched in the mouth, mouth in a game in terms of not so much punched in the mouth, but knocked out, knocked out to the floor like they were against Louisville and like they were against Michigan State. They pop right back up in the next game or two, uh, whether it be with Butler and the Crossroads Classic, and really play a very competitive game against Georgetown that they should have won, uh, and then against Michigan State to come right back against Ohio State and get a big win here in Bloomington, uh, go on the road to get a win in Illinois. There's some grit uh, with this basketball team, most of it probably embodied in Carl, Colin Hartman, most Indiana fans would tell you. Uh, but th- there, are, there is, there's a level of, uh, of an underdog quality of this team that, you know, and it depends on what side of the fence you lay on, whether or not that you think this is a self, uh, self-made destiny in terms of Tom Crean's inability to recruit a big man. Uh, but there's a little bit of an underdog mentality with this team. The people, myself included, thought this team might come out as as bad as one in four, one in six to start the year, and here they are sitting right with the chance to take off a top ten, an AP top ten team tonight here in Assembly Hall uh, in a big matchup on a national stage against stage against Maryland. All right. Well, um, Ben, Ben, what is your take on so far this year? Well, yeah, as um, Robin was saying. We started out the Big Ten play four and one. A lot of us thought it would be one and four, and we sort of penciled in those first three Big Ten games at Nebraska, at Michigan State, home versus Ohio State. Those could easily be three losses. We would think at the beginning of the of the season, but I think we there was a little more confidence as the non-conference play girl went on. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I was at a game against Lamar, one of these 
non-conference gate mercenary games we schedule, and they they just they really looked disorganized. Didn't really put Lamar away until the final few minutes of that game. I think it was like a seven point game with three minutes to go, and everyone was freaking out. Um, but then came back a couple weeks ago, saw them play against Ohio State. Now that one didn't go down to the wire, and Ohio State I had some questions on because they don't really have any. Um, big wins. OSU ain't played nobody, Paul. Um, so, so, but that one came down the way. But I still felt like the team had really uh, grown since then. You know, Ohio State started out that game real well. Um, I think so. We're up nine two. Um, IU came right back. We saw that in the Illinois game last Sunday. Illini started up fourteen to three. That stupid spaceship venue that the Illini played would never do well in. Came back, won that game. Um, so yeah, this team is, you know, being is able to close out games in the final few minutes where we didn't think we had that ability last year. Um, but Butler was another one, just hit, taking the game um, by the reins in the final few minutes and coming out with I think was which was a solid nine point victory over uh, the Bulldogs. So I think we'll be going back to the tournament this year. So yeah, we're feeling pretty good so far about this team. Um, I think most IU fans are happy that we're ranked again, other than the few IU fans who still say, well, IU should be ranked every year. So, <laughs> so basically, yeah, good good feeling so far. A bit of confidence going into this Maryland game tonight. All right. Well, um, why, don't, why don't we talk a, a little bit about um, – we talked about the quote-unquote hot start, but um, – we, we, which guys do you think have been the biggest ones? Obviously, Farrell and Blackman are kind of the two-headed monster right now, but um, who do you think have been the X factors that have allowed this team to really progress? Um, and, Kyle, we'll start with you. Yeah, the, I mean, the obvious answer to that question is going to be Coy Williams, uh, who is, in my opinion, and I, I think most NBA scouts' opinion, this is this team's best player. And it's Indiana goes as Troy Williams, go, Troy Williams goes, and that's something that we've seen We've seen it in the Butler game. Uh, we've seen it in the, uh, in the Nebraska game when he showed up late. When we, uh, we've seen it in the Ohio State game. And he's going to be the guy tonight that he's going to have to key on the guy like Jake Lehman uh, to shut him down both defensively and also give him energy on the offensive end. And while this team is a team of three-point shooters, he's kind of the guy that's got to fill almost every other role for this team, especially without Hannah Perea. If you want a deeper cut and look to a guy that's, that it's going to have to be uh, if Indiana wants to kind of take a step forward and progress this season. Uh, you probably got a point to a guy like Emmett Holt or Colin Hartman. And, and Ben, I'm sorry, I'm taking all of your fodder probably here. Uh, but Emmett Holt really uh, is a guy that most Indiana fans probably think uh, should be seeing more minutes in terms of his upside, his ability. He's only six foot seven, six foot eight. But a wingspan over 7'4", he's got a, the ability to play above the rim and plays much bigger than his size. Uh, and really a late summer pickup, obviously, for Indiana. He came in, he was involved in the accident, obviously, with Devin Davis, not his fault. Uh, and, I, and I maintain that and want to pound that in the heads of the public um, where he was in a situation where he was behind the vehicle, he had had a beer, was not drunk. And obviously with the whole all of the misinformation out there about that situation, uh, tough college start for him. Uh, but really grown into his role here in Indiana. And then also Colin Hartman's a guy that stepped up. Indiana fans love him. Uh, he's the type, he's the grit guy, he's the glue guy, but he's got the ability to shoot the ball. 
playing basically the five now uh, at six foot seven, uh, six foot six, stepping into uh, uh, Hunter Perea's role in his absence. Uh, and those two guys are going to be key in terms of what they can step up and do over the course of the next month or so with Perea gone in terms of dictating what Indiana's going to do, both in this Maryland game, but also against Ohio State, uh, against Purdue, and those matchup problems coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, but what they can do against them, uh, those big guys got to going forward, it's really going to dictate this Indiana basketball team going forward. All right. And, uh, Ben, Ben, what's your take on the uh, the big X factors this year? So Kyle talked about the big men um, on the team. So I'm going to talk more about the sort of four-headed monster that we have at shooting guard right now between Rob Johnson, Stan Robinson, Jamie Flaxen Jr., and Dick Zeisloff. Uh, right now, JBJ, obviously heralded recruit from just up the way, Maryland and Marion, Indiana, um, has, you know, started started out the season with great shooting, but then sort of slumped when um, Big Ten play start. But he got he got back in a big way against Illinois on Sunday, twenty one it's seven boards. So if James Blackman Jr.'s shoot, shooting touch has been regained as we hope that he it has ever since this Illinois performance, um is good um that's going to really help the team um, shooting-wise and and sort of this live-by-the-three, die-by-the-three mentality we sometimes have. Um, But even a more steady presence has been um, Robert Johnson, another heralded freshman, four-star recruit from from Virginia. um, He's the other starting guard on the team, along with Nogi and JBJ. And um, Johnson, you know, another team when the other team members sort of are having a rough night, he can step it up. And we saw that in the Penn State game. I think he had 20 points in that game. So he's another guy. Um, then there's Nick Seisloff. He's a junior transfer from Illinois State. Um, I think the kid is reminding IU fans of Jordy Hulls because he, he loves to shoot the three and he has ice in his veins. He also, I think, has been part of the reason why this team – doing a little better job than normal, not turning the ball over. Um, so, and he had a big um, three-point shot against Illinois uh, last, last Sunday. We were down five. I think it was about two minutes to go or something, and he stepped in and made a nice three-pointer that put it within two, and then from there we didn't really look back. And then finally um, there's Dan Robinson. He's a sophomore. He's um, he's a real X factor because sometimes he'll, he'll get on the – He's a he's really an energy guy. Like he'll get on the court, he will just rush down in into the paint, and sometimes he'll draw a foul. Other times he'll turn the ball over. But like like Robert Johnson, he came up big in the Penn State game when we when we needed him. He's been sort of sort of a lackluster free free throw shooter this year. He's been trying to um, switch shooting motions, think from left hand to right hand, and that experiment didn't really work out. But he. With six for six from the free throw line against Penn State, so he was huge in that game. All right, and um, flipping a little on the other side, um, obviously everything hasn't went perfect so far. Um, we talked about uh, you know Hannah getting hurt. Um, what which guys have um, haven't quite met the expectations you had before the year? Um, maybe have underachieved a little bit. And uh, Kyle, we'll start with you again. 
and see that with this team, I think it's it's hard to talk with um, in, in terms of underachieving or anything like that with this basketball team. I think most people are going to point to if you if you pose that question to most Indiana fans, you're probably going to hear two names come up, and that's Stan Robinson. But that's really in a situation, and, and Ben just touched on. There's there's so few minutes really to go around at that position where somebody kind of had to be squeezed out. Um, and you've seen his production tapered a little bit with Rob Johnson coming in, and obviously with James Blackman uh, from maybe where people thought it might be. Uh, but the question is, is you're probably going to range all the way down to somebody that most fans that don't follow Indiana basketball closely even know the name of, and maybe that's a guy like Jeremiah April, uh, the seven-footer, uh, that was or near seven-footer that was signed out of Joliet, Illinois, just this past year, freshman uh, that people thought was would hope for Indiana to give them some depth uh, on the front line this season and has hardly played five minutes uh, all season. You've seen uh, seen Ryan, Ryan Burton step in in roles bigger than him, uh, as well as guys like, um, uh, like we said, uh, Colin Hartman having to slide over, uh, a, a guy like Emmett Holt having to play out of position above his side. So really, there's been there's kind of been no answer and there's been no development for a guy like Jeremiah April where people really didn't know what his ability was coming in. So it's hard to say it's a disappointment, but in terms of maybe what people thought, hey, we can squeeze five, seven minutes out of this guy here and there. He can give us a breather. He can at least stand there and, for God's sake, be, be big, be seven feet tall. He hasn't even been serviceable enough to do that. Uh, so really, he and Tim Priller have hardly got off the bench whatsoever in terms of the freshman. And if you really have to have somebody and say, yeah, they really haven't lived up to expectations. I don't think there were was much of an expectation at all for these guys to produce. But whatever it has been, it's been lower than that in terms of the production because they ha- they haven't even made it off the bench yet and into the rotation. And guys that are walk-ons like Ryan Burton, the transfer from Bellman, uh, and, and my hometown of Bedford, Indiana, uh, has stepped into the rotation ahead of them. Uh, so clearly that's an issue. If you're going to point to something else, Maybe it's Yogi Ferrell, and that's and that's going to be a strange take for some people that's real piping hot in terms of his, if you expected him to be a mellow Trimble-type volume scorer for this, this team this year and dropping 20 points a game. Obviously, he just had uh, he just had five in the, in the previous outing against Illinois. This is not a team where he has to dominate the ball in terms of to score the basketball for this team. He's got the ability to distribute on this high – a uh, high-percentage shooting basketball team. You've got weapons like Blackman, uh, Zleisloft, uh, Rob Johnson, even Max Hotel when he's in the game. So many options in terms of guys that can score the basketball. Yogi Ferrell doesn't even have to have this role on the team. So if you're going to go with a guy, it's probably a guy like April in terms of somebody that's let down the team. But really not much of that for Indiana thus far this year. This team definitely has the development curve. All right. And, uh, Ben, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I would just – Pretty much agree with all Kyle has to say here. Again, there's a little bit of frustration that um, Walk On was getting minutes in the Penn State game, but uh, over over Jeremiah April, who's seven foot freshman, and but um, Ryan Burden just come from Bellarmine, and I live in Louisville, and um, outside of UK and U of L, obviously there's some pride in the in the city about Pellerman, which is a D2 school that does quite well for itself and has has won a lot at the D2 level. So, Burden is certainly 
used to some, not quite this high-level competition, but certainly in the types of situations where it, it might be needed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's fair to, to say that um, Hunter Perez is a disappointment. I think he showed some flashes of of greatness and showed some good signs throughout the game. I think he had a double-double in the Nebraska game, I want to say. Um, but there were, before he got injured, there were, were, was some concern um, about that his ability to um, draw fouls and his, his ability to pick up two fouls in the first 90 seconds of, I think, both the Michigan State and the Ohio State game. So that was pretty frustrating. And, you know, when that happened, he'd, you know, go, he'd go to the bench for basically most of the first half. Um, and we've seen in the – we've won the two games since he's been out, but um, our opponents have really been able to to score on two-point shots since, um, and really dri- drive into the lane um, since Hunter's injury. And you can almost say if um, – Penn State had done a little more of that instead of uh, instead of Penn State ch- chucking up, I think, 24 three-pointers during that game and making four of them, then and maybe driven a little more to the lane. You know, we might have had a different result in Bloomington last Tuesday. But um, so, so I don't think it's fair to say Hunter's a disappointment when we see this discrepancy in the stats since he's been injured and um, you know since, since then it's really seen the contributions that been able to. And I, yeah, and I think um, yeah, Kyle and I both touched on Stan Robinson, um, but I think it just he's been squeezed out a bit because we have so much depth at that position. And last year he he started a few games, um, and yeah. So one more note on Tim Priller, uh, he was supposed to be this big fan favorite when the season started. I think a bar in Bloomington made up shirts that said it's Priller time with the Miller Light logo. And, you know, considering everything that ha- happened to IU in the offseason, maybe not the smartest of moves, but still, nonetheless, made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, now we kind of got a, a feel of the team here. Um, we can move into the, the fun stuff, so to speak. Um NCAA tournament. I know. Um, I believe Kyle mentioned that uh, earlier on um, about Indiana making it. But um, first off, do you think Indiana can or will make the NCAA tournament? I should ask. Um, and second, how, how do you think this next, you know, I believe five game stretch? Uh, I believe they have Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin in the next few games. Um, how do you think that's going to factor in? Um, to their chances, and well, Kyle, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of looking at that stretch today, and obviously, it's going to be a crucial stretch in terms of uh, dictating both whether or not they're going to get into the NCAA tournament and also where the seeding is going to lie uh, for this Indiana basketball team. And you look at kind of it's a four-game stretch coming up where you're going to have uh, you're at home against you're at home against Maryland, then you go on the road to Ohio State, you go on the road to Purdue. Uh, and then I believe you're on the road once again uh, uh, going to uh, going to uh, Wisconsin, excuse me. Uh, and though, out of those four games, 
and I think there's a fifth one after it that I can't even that I can't place either. Um, but I was looking at if you can get one or two out of that stretch, you're in great shape. Uh, and I fully expect uh, Indiana to go ahead and get one or two out of this stretch. Uh, possibly uh, might that be tonight, and then on the road at Purdue, uh, get both of those. You're in great shape. No one's going to shake a stick at a loss at Ohio State. Certainly, no one's going to shake a stick at a, at a loss. Uh, at Wisconsin, personally, I do think, and, and you can ask around, I try my best not to be an Indiana homer uh, wherever possible um, by no stretch. I do think this is an NCAA tournament team. And, I, and I, I, you look around the Big Ten, and I'm hard-pressed to see a team that really um, really jumps off the page of you outside of Wisconsin. Um, I'm even of the opinion this Indiana team is possibly – uh, as good as the third-best team in the conference behind Wisconsin and Maryland. Uh, to me, there's not much. Uh, i always been unimpressed at times. You know, obviously, Indiana got blown out of Michigan State. But I think this is a team that has good wins in the year. They've, they've beaten SMU. Uh, they've knocked off Butler. They played. They should have beaten. Granted, you don't get anything for this bidding. They should have knocked off Georgetown. Uh, they've been competitive in big games. They've already won on the road, which is a big deal in this team. Uh, but they, when they have not done that in the past, they've already gotten road wins at Illinois and at Nebraska, something that's not always easy to do. Uh, and so really, you know, Maryland couldn't do it for that matter. I think this is a tournament team, and even the fact where I think um, a month from now, discussing Indiana in the category of bubble team, I don't think will be a thing. I think this is a team that can reach as high as a five or six seed uh, come the end of the year. Uh, I do find, as a matter of fact, I think this is a top 20 basketball team in the country um, when they're shooting the basketball well. Now, having said that, this is a team that can lose to anyone on any given night. Uh, that could be Penn State, that could be Western State, that could be uh, anybody in the country if they're shooting it cold. At the, the other side of the coin is they can beat anybody. I've said numerous times, I said if there's anybody I think in the country that can give Kentucky a great game, it's a hot shooting Indiana team or a team like Indiana that's built around three-point shooting that gets really hot one night. They're not going to try to play Kentucky's game of pound it down low. They know that's not going to happen. You're going to have to shoot the lights out uh, against that Kentucky basketball team. And a team like Indiana is a team that's going to do that and have the possibility to beat anyone yet also lose to anyone on any given night. And I think that's kind of the fun of following this Indiana basketball team. Yeah, long, long and short of it is I do think they're an they're NCAA tournament team. I do think if you have to put my finger on it, I think they're going to end up probably around the seventh seed uh, till March. Because, no, I, I don't think in the long run I see them getting two out of the next four. Um, and then the schedule is so soft coming to the end of the year uh, that Indiana should be easily in the tournament, probably finishing heck with, with 12, 12 or more possibly even win the Big Ten Conference. All right. And, uh, Ben, what are your thoughts on uh, the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I'm feeling the same way right now. Um, recently, we've seen some bracketology projections that project IU as an 8 or a 9 seed. And I think the funniest one was um, Jerry Palm over at CBS Sports projecting us in the same region, actually in Louisville, um, and with a potential second-round matchup against Kentucky. And that would just make this make the city go nuts if that were to happen. But so so that that would be amusing. But 
no, I think in, in general um, we've got a good chance to get to the NCAA tournament with this team. Being 4-1 and one is a great start right now. Um, having 14 wins already in the bank is nice. Um, with the non-conference wins over Butler and SMU certainly will help. I can definitely see those two teams making the tournament if they if they do well in their respective conferences. Um, even our one bad loss so far this season, Eastern Washington, that team is, um, I think, is four and one in the Big Sky Conference right now. And on Kempom, they're, I think, like 60 or so spots ahead of the next nearest team in the Big Sky. So they're getting projected at the 12-13 seed in the tournament, too. Um, and, yeah, I think it also has to do with sort of this weakness or of the Big Ten this year in basketball and sort of the softness of – well, the, the bubble has always seemed to be soft ever since they expanded the tournament to 68. But this year, I'm afraid we might only get five or six NCAA berths in the Big Ten out of the newly expanded 14 teams. And, as, you know, as Kyle was saying – you know, there really isn't a, a clear number three right now after Maryland and Wisconsin in the Big Ten. Um, we have five games in the next 13 days, so this is a pretty busy stretch for the Hoosiers. We've got uh, Maryland, then, then at OSU on Sunday, then at Purdue next Wednesday, then um, Rutgers next Saturday at home. Rutgers, yeah, 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 I, that was the one I was yeah. getting. Yeah, which we, we better not lose that one because that would – drive the fans nuts. Um, and, I mean, we've lost to Northwestern and Penn State and Nebraska at home all last year, so I'm pretty worried about that being a trap game because three days later, we go to the Colt Center and play Wisconsin in a, in a arena where we haven't won since Bob Knight was coach. I think 97 or 98 was the last time we won in Madison. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough five-game stretch coming up, and I think we'd be happy to go two and three with that schedule. Obviously, um, the one I'd like to see us win, win the most is Purdue because they're our rivals and we suffered a terrible loss to them last year, I think by 20 or 30 points in Mackey. So to win on the road there would be awesome. But other than that, I mean, winning at Wisconsin would be really tough. But, hey, we beat them last year. so And they were Final Four team last year. So, so who knows? But, yeah. We go, we go two and three of those games. You know, we're six and four, and then we get set up with a pretty nice schedule to end the year. Um, we get, uh, I think we have a, a stretch where we're home against Purdue and then have road games against Rutgers and Northwestern later in February. And um, I mean, under Cream, there's been some sort of criticism that this, this team sort of swoons at the end of, of each season. Uh, but with this schedule... It might be hard-pressed to do that. And then, finally, our last game of the season is at home against Michigan State. So that would be a nice way to avenge their 20-point drubbing they put on us in East Lansing. So, yeah, I I feel pretty optimistic about our um, NCAA tournament chances right now. And and, uh, I think, think, yeah, we could maybe get a 6 or 7 seed, maybe sneak sneak our way into Sweet 16 um, because – as we saw last year with UConn, if you have the strong guard play in the NCAA tournament, you disguise the limit, really. All right. Well, um, thank you both for uh, 
for coming on. I appreciate it, given your uh, perspectives on Indiana. Um, quick, obviously there's a big game tonight with uh, Maryland at Indiana. Um, quick uh, score prediction. Um, we'll start with Kyle. What's your prediction for tonight? Uh, if you're going to put me on the spot, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I do think um, I, we'll say Indiana pulls it out just because uh, 84-80. Uh, I think it's a high high scoring game. It should be a fantastic basketball team. Two two teams I'm excited to watch. I'm going to actually head over to the head over the hall right now. Um, so hopefully we'll say 84 80 Indiana. Don't hold my feet to that fire. <laughs> ben, what, what's what's your prediction? Um, I also think the Hoosiers will win. So far, we've been at the time they were three ranked teams at Assembly Hall this year. SMU was ranked beat beat them. Um, Wait, oh, sorry. I think only two ranked teams in the Simply Hall this year. My bad. Butler, Butler we beat in Indy. But, yeah, I think we win 82-77 tonight um, and see Troy Williams with a double-double. All right. Well, uh, a couple of predictions for Indiana tonight. Um, not too surprising with the Indiana guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it should be a great game. And uh, thanks again for calling in. You can check out Kyle and uh, Ben over at Crimson Quarry, which is Indiana's SB Nation site. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Tom. You have no problem. Thank you. All right. Well, that was, um, again, Kyle and Ben over at Crimson Quarry. Um, But we are going to jump straight into our next team. Uh, We have Grant on. Uh, He contributes for BTP. He also is a member of the Gross Report to talk about uh, Illinois. Uh, Grant, can you hear me? Yeah, how's it going? It's going well. How about you? <laughs> going great. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you introduce yourself for uh, a couple seconds here? I'm uh, Grant Lebeds. I'm, uh, as Thomas mentioned, a contributing member to the Gross Report, a WordPress blog that me and my friend started. And I am also a writer for BT Powerhouse, and I'm a huge Illini basketball fan. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking to the right guy. Um, yeah. Right. Why don't we Why don't we jump right into it? Um, Illinois started Big Ten play. Um, obviously, a little inconsistent, up and down. Um, why don't you take a second right. to just talk about um, what What you thought of Illinois in the non conference slate and uh, Big Ten play so far? Right. Uh, Illinois' non conference slate was probably what was to be expected. Um, they had five key games. A uh, game against Baylor in the Las Vegas Invitational, a game at Miami, a game against Villanova, a game against Oregon, and a game against Missouri. And I think most Illini fans wanted to win at least three out of five of those, and we got away with two. I uh, lost to Oregon, Miami, and Villanova, which by all means weren't bad losses at the beginning. So uh, the play at the beginning of the season was pretty decent, I would say. Um, obviously, in the last couple seasons, Illinois has had relative amounts of success, especially in the month of November. I think they're undefeated under Gross uh, in the month of November, but the non-conference was definitely promising and, uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, speaking of, uh, we talked a little about about the team, but um, who who do you think has stepped up um, so far this season and who might be that X factor that's really made a difference? Right. Well, Illinois obviously has been plagued by some injuries lately. Uh, first, Tracy Abrams was out 
uh, out for the season with an ACL injury. And then Ravante Rice just recently broke his wrist. And even Aaron Cosby hurt his eye the other day and is out for one to two weeks. But uh, I think there are two guys that have really stepped up this season and really improved their game, and those would be Kendrick Nunn and Malcolm Hill, both sophomores this year. They definitely showed uh, flashes of improvement at the end of last year after Illinois broke their eight-game losing streak and thought of that slump, and Kendrick Nunn and Malcolm Hill were inserted in the lineup and really stepped up their games, improved their numbers a lot. And this year they've both been very effective and efficient. Uh, Hill's averaging 13.8 point games a game, or points a game, and I think Kendrick's short behind around 10 or 11. And uh, if Illinois wants to win games, they've got to be consistent night in and night out. And we've seen them fall into some slumps sometimes, and uh, when they do, Illinois can struggle a little bit. But when they're playing at their best, they can compete with any team in the Big Ten. All right. And uh, flipping a little bit to the other side, um, obviously we've talked about, um, you know, some of the, the disappointing news, so to speak, and, you know, some right. of the big guys going out with injuries. But um, who who do you think has maybe underachieved a little bit this year? Well, I think that would obviously be Ahmad Starks and Aaron Cosby. Uh, these two players came in from Seton Hall and Oregon State, and they were said to be very good shooters. I think they both averaged uh, – Ahmad Starks from Oregon State, he is the current leader in three-point baskets for all time for the school, and Ahmad, or Aaron Cosby came in shooting 40% or so at uh, Seton Hall and both of which have fallen into a little bit of a slump. Neither of them are shooting better than 35% this year. Um, when they can't get going, they often start hoisting up three-pointers, so it seems uh, don't have much offensive flow. And obviously they've been a little bit disappointing. They've been underachieving a little bit. But if they could get going and really started playing to their full ability, I think Illinois would really benefit from that, especially Ahmad Starks because as, a point, as the true point guard for this team behind Jalen Tate, uh, he hasn't been great with the ball. He hasn't been dribbling, or he hasn't had much dribble penetration like we see Tracy Abrams has had in the past and even Ravante Rice. And without that, that position is tough to get offense, and you often settle for tough jump shots. So if Aaron Cosby and Ahmad Starks could really find their place in this Illini offense, and obviously it's tough with the injuries, uh, then Illinois would be much better off. Yeah, definitely. Um and, and speaking of maybe maybe what's to come, so to speak, um, who, who do you think could be the guy who steps up and maybe fills in um, fills in a role for maybe one of those injured guys, or just steps up and starts playing better um, over the course of the next month or so? Right, I think that would definitely be freshman Leron Black. Although I mentioned the void at the point guard position, Leron Black plays a power forward, true four at a six seven. And he sh- last night against uh, Purdue, he showed flashes of being very effective. He, I think, went for 15 points and 13 rebounds. And two games ago against Indiana, even though Illinois lost, uh, he was all over the place, too. He was a monster on the boards. Uh, he was an offensive threat and a defensive threat. And I think this is what Illinois was really hoping to get out of this guy. Uh, he came in ranked in the top 50 on ESPN 100 for a uh, freshman in the country. Uh I think Memphis native he was, and they they saw him play in high school. He was a really good player, and I think if he could really step up his game like he has in the last two games, uh, they would kind of fill that void at the 4-5 position that they've sort of been lacking. Nana Agu, the true center, he's been very effective this year, but uh, he's been falling into foul trouble recently, and if Doron Black could really step in at that, at that position and uh, be their effective rebounder and guy in the post, then that might give Illinois a spark.
And um, well, we, we, we've talked about uh, what's happened, maybe some of the guys who are contributing, maybe a little bit uh, underachieving. Um, but now let's, let's jump into the into the fun stuff here. Um, NCAA okay. tournament. Uh, obviously, yes. Illinois wants to get back. Uh, they haven't been there in a little bit. Um, first off, do you think they will make it? Um, and uh, off of that, um, obviously, I, I doubt you have the schedule memorized, but w- what do you think could be that key stretch or maybe that key game that could okay. make the difference in whether they make it or not? Right. Well, right now, I would say that Illinois, if the tournament were selected today, I don't think Illinois would make it. But that being said, there are plenty of games and still some winnable opportunities. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of games at home that are big matchups. I know Illinois has a game against Michigan and Michigan State coming up, but they have to go on the road against Wisconsin and Iowa, which will obviously be tough wins if they were to pull those out. And I think they do have a game against Michigan State on the road. Um, Obviously, I think Illinois has to win the games at home from here on out if they want to try to make the tournament. They definitely need to be above 500 in the Big Ten Conference, considering they don't have too many big wins this season. Uh, if you look back two years ago when Illinois made the tournament, I think they were 7-11 in conference, but they did have wins over number one, Indiana. They went on the road and beat Gonzaga in the non-conference schedule, and they ended up being a one seed, and they also beat Butler. So they had some big wins that year. Illinois, they beat Baylor, who's now ranked in the top 25, Maryland, who's a good team, but I don't think that's enough to get them in the tournament if they can't break 500. As far as key games go, I think the game at home against Michigan State is a must-win. The loss just the other day to Indiana certainly hurt because now Indiana's ranked in the top 25. They're one of the better teams in the conference, and a tough opportunity blown at home against that team. That really would have propelled them a little bit, but obviously it's not over. And I think if they could steal one on the road, maybe at Iowa, maybe at Wisconsin or Michigan State, if they could get one of those, with some consistent play at home that would really propel them forward. Obviously those are some tough matchups. So if they could just get one, that would be great. And then I think uh, when it comes to the big 10 tournament, Illinois will probably need to win one, maybe two games, depending on where they sit at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, to spin it a, l- a little bit of a different way. Um, you know, obviously the, the marquee games are the big ones that everybody, you know, they need to win. They need to get a couple, um, it, one of the stretches that I'm interested in for Illinois, we got to wait a little while, but um, right. the close of the season, the last three games where they get Northwestern at home, Nebraska home, and on the road at Purdue. Um, obviously, they right. they just beat Purdue at home last night. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that's an interesting stretch because all three of those definitely winnable games. Um, I know they, yeah. they probably will be a, a slim underdog on the road against Purdue, but mm-hmm. I mean to get three wins, get that momentum – um, and, and one of the things that um, that I think a lot of people are underestimating this year, especially with 14 teams, is that Big Ten tournament seeding is going to mean even more this year with the more teams because uh, right. you have to play an extra day if you're one of those bottom teams, which yeah. I don't think Illinois will be. But, you know, if they can mm-hmm. get into one of those games where they get a good matchup and get another guaranteed win, I, I think that could really help. So I, I think that's a little – a stretch worth keeping uh, keeping an eye on. <laughs> right, right. And what you mentioned, well, those three games, those come after a stretch of five, which are tough. It goes at MSU, at home against Michigan, at Wisconsin, at home against Michigan State, and at Iowa. So, obviously, if there's some losses in there, 
but Illinois is able to come back and win three or four games in a row, maybe even five, and that could be a good way to close out the season and show the committee that Illinois is you know, a respectable team for tournament play. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, yeah, Grant, thanks thanks for coming on. Um, Thank you so much for having I let me. You, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, before I let you go here, um, is there anything else you want to throw out there about Illinois, about the Big Ten, about uh, any random thoughts you got going on <laughs> here before you go? Um, I just want to say uh, I think Illinois has got a shot at the tourney, so don't count them out yet. Uh, they've been a little shaky so far, but, you know, we got a long road ahead of us, some winnable games, and hopefully we can get in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It should be a uh, should be an exciting time. Um, personally, I, I think they are going to slide in, but who knows, you know, with all the, the injury right. questions. But, uh, they got to get help. But, again, Grant, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, again, Grant, uh, thanks for coming on, and um, you can check out Grant. He's on The Gross Report. Um, which you can find him on Twitter, um, obviously, you know, through Google or something. But uh, he's also on our site on BT Powerhouse. Um, he's been doing some of our uh, game previews, recaps, and um, I believe he just did a – I don't know if he did a piece about Iowa. I think I did but, a, uh, a feature on Iowa. Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. He did a feature on Iowa as well, if you're interested in Iowa. But uh, all right, Grant, thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> Um, all right, well, uh, that that wraps up our uh, Illinois segment there. Um, definitely an interesting team, kind of firmly on that bubble. Um, I know ESPN has them as not the first four out, but the next four out. So they're there. They just gotta they just gotta do the work. But um, rounding out our last team for today, uh, sorry we've we've held them so long, but um, is Ohio State, uh, the Buckeyes. Um, we don't have a guest uh, for Ohio State, but um, I'll just talk a little bit about what what I've thought of uh, the Buckeyes so far this year. Um, obviously, the big uh, the, the big narrative with Ohio State has been they beat who they should beat, and they do not beat who they um, are not favored to beat. And for the most part, that's kind of uh, remained true. Um, they got they lost uh, Louisville, they lost North Carolina, swept by Iowa, and they lost on the road to Indiana. And when you when you look by just about any measure, their top wins so far this year are Marquette, Illinois, Minnesota, and Michigan. Um, Michigan obviously um, maligned this year, rough start. Um, I think it's been pretty well documented. Marquette, not a great team. Um, Illinois, we just talked about them. You're talking about a team who's not even projected in the NCAA tournament, and they Ohio State beat Illinois at home, and then Minnesota, who has only won one Big Ten game. I think they're one in five right now. Uh, one in six. Sorry, they're one in six in Big Ten play. Um, so obviously that's that's kind of a red flag when you're talking about a a team trying to get in the NCAA tournament when arguably their best quality win is against a team that's one and six in conference play. Um, obviously that's a concern on the other side though. Um, Ohio state hasn't been upset. They haven't lost a bad game yet. Um, there's, there's no game you can look on their resume and say, wow, that's a bad loss. Um, most of them are pretty well excusable, especially considering that just one of the games came at home. Three of their five losses came on the road. Um, 
big contributors this year, obviously, uh, D'Angelo Russell um, doing a lot of work <laughs> um, for this team so far this year. Uh, he has been big. Um, Shannon's got in the backcourt kind of hasn't been a, a big scoring threat, but um, I know he's racking up those assist numbers like crazy in non-conference. Um, Sam Thompson, really solid defensively. Um, can get after it, really good in transition. Um, Loving's been kind of a, a bright surprise this year um, after a kind of underwhelming freshman year. Um, and Amir Williams, uh, senior power forward center, playing at center. But um, he, you kind of knew what he was coming into this year, so I, I don't think there's been any surprise there. Um, in terms of disappointments, um, to kind of feed off of um, – you know, the the topics we've been using for all our teams here today. Um, in terms of disappointments, um, I, th- I think some of the freshmen have been a, a little disappointing. Um, you would have liked to see guys like uh, Bates Diop contribute a little bit more, maybe Tate. Um, when they have been good, they've been really good. I know uh, um, watching when they played Michigan, uh, Jason Tate absolutely was wrecking the Wolverines um, on side, transitioning on the board. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of bright bright minutes ahead for those guys, but obviously not not quite what you have had hoped for some of those guys so far. Um, I think I think the other part is uh, D'Angelo Russell kind of underwhelmed in his first couple big games, which again not bad for a freshman, a true freshman, but um, really did hurt the team considering how much he factors into it. In terms of the uh, moving on to the the NCAA tournament. Um, do you think Ohio State's a tournament team right now? I think, uh, not to state the obvious, but they need a big win. They need a quality win. Um, in the next week and a half, they have a re- they have two good shots. They get Indiana at home and Maryland at home. If they can at least grab one of those, then you have that that little pinpoint to put in your resume, so to speak. Um, you know, you get that top end. Um, I, th- I think the other part is um, keep beating the teams you're supposed to beat. Um, if they do that. They probably have three or four more losses this year, max. So, I mean, I, I think with that record alone, they would get in. So, even if they just keep beating the teams they're supposed to beat, that'll be enough. But uh, clearly, goal number one for Ohio State has to be get that big win. Um, but as of now, I do think they're going to make it. I think they're on the good side. I, you know, Everybody's talking about them trending down, but I think if they can just score a big win, I think that'll all be out the window. Um, obviously, you know, with Indiana coming up um, on Sunday, that'll be a that'll be a big one. Um, as far as uh, for tonight, um, they do play Northwestern, um, so that should be a, a kind of fun game. Um, Ohio State on the road. Uh, obviously, they're pretty solid favorites in that one. But yeah, that's that's all all we have today on our uh, on our bubble teams. Um, Seems like most people are optimistic <laughs> about all the teams making the tournament that we've talked about. Um, probably Illinois, Ohio State seem like they're the most uh, questionable as of now. We'll see how that goes on. Um, yeah, before before I uh, end the podcast for this time, I did have one other thing that I wanted to just uh, address for a, a couple seconds. Um, the big news, uh, conference news, obviously came out last Sunday when uh, Karis LeVert um, had his injury and he's out for the entire season. Um, he was my Big Ten player that year coming into the season. Um, I think he's been playing relatively well, not as well as I'd hoped, but 
still making a case for all Big Ten at least. Um, and obviously devastating news for Michigan. Um, it's hard to see them really recovering too much, especially considering some of their early season trou- uh, troubles. But um, yeah, I, I did I did want to throw that into the podcast. Um, obviously, wish him the best. Hopefully, he recovers. Um, I know his his NBA draft status. He may be able to go pro this year. Um, we'll have to wait to see what happens there. In terms of Michigan, um, you know, I I do think I definitely think they have enough to make the NIT. Um, I question what they can do in terms of the NCAA tournament. Um, they have a tough stretch ahead. They don't really have any huge wins so far. They do get a big opportunity against Wisconsin this week. Um, which I'm sure a lot of people will be checking out with college game day, but um, yeah, yeah. I just I just wanted to take a second to uh, acknowledge that. And uh, other than that, thanks for uh, checking us out. Um, again, you can you can read up on the site on BT Powerhouse. I'm Thomas Bendit. Check me out on Twitter at t bendit b e i n d i t. And thanks again, and have a great week. <laughs>